This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Thursday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Here we are a few hours from Game 5, best of seven Stanley Cup Final Series, even at two games apiece. It's been a home series so far as the scene shifts to Pittsburgh for Game 5. And the guy that will be on the call with Joe Micheletti, Ray Ferraro, and Steve Goldstein for Westwood One is the great Kenny Albert. As I live and breathe, and he joins us here on Game Misconduct. How are you, buddy? Good, Donnie. How are you? Oh, doing great. This has been a fun series. Didn't look like maybe it would be, but it's been a home kind of series. And I just kind of wonder what the atmosphere is going to be like here in Pittsburgh. Those are some great fans. And after all the attention the Nashville fans have gotten over the last week, I wonder if Pittsburgh fans are maybe going to try to step it up a notch for this huge Game 5. Well, you're right. It has been such a fun series. It's been a bit of a bizarre series. You look at the first two games in Pittsburgh, and... Nashville probably had the better of the play for about 52 minutes in each of those games, but Pittsburgh has such a quick strike offense, and they were able to score the three quick goals both in games one and two. But in talking to some of the Nashville players this morning, um, they felt pretty good about themselves, even though they lost the first two games, knowing how well they played in Pittsburgh, and they feel pretty confident heading back for game five tonight. And then, of course, Nashville goes home and only allowed two goals in the two games. Pecorino was outstanding, so it's it's really been a fun series. I think tonight should be a great game. I think we'll see the best of both teams. Uh, Mike Sullivan, the Pittsburgh coach, actually has said a couple of times he feels his team's best game was game four, and they right. lost that game four to one. So uh, I think the fans will be ready. We walked over, uh, Joe Micheletti and I, this morning about 10 o'clock for the morning skate. There were already about 10 lawn chairs out on the grass right outside the the arena where they have the big screen so the fans can watch the game outside tonight. By the time we got out around noon or 12.30, there were probably 50 people out there already, and it was eight hours from the opening face-off. So uh, the fans will be great, I'm sure, inside the building, outside as well in Pittsburgh. Um, and that the atmosphere in Nashville, I know you've been there a number of times, Don. Yeah. It's just absolutely incredible. I've been there now for three games in the St. Louis series, three games in the Anaheim series, and now the two games in the final. And it just gets better and better, both inside and outside. It's sort of like it's become the Wrigley Field of the NHL because of the location of Bridgestone Arena. It's a block or two from Broadway where all the restaurants and establishments are. So before the game, after the game, it's right there. And they had pregame concerts. And they estimated about 50,000 people were in that area, either at the concert or watching the game on the big screens. Oh, it's just unbelievable, the atmosphere, really, in both cities, but certainly Nashville. And to have that happen in a non-traditional hockey market, I just think is fabulous. Um, Going into Game 3, there were questions to Laviolette whether he was going to continue to go with Pecorino because Rene just didn't play tremendous in the first two games. Might have cost them both games. As you mentioned, Nashville played well, but just uh, Rene was giving up that bad goal at the bad time. Now the roles were kind of reversed, right? Mike Sullivan actually asked, would he go back uh, to Murray for this game five? But it looks like from the morning skate that it will be Murray tonight for Pittsburgh, right? Yes, which Mike Sullivan uh, did say at his press conference after the skate. He was asked who's in goal, Matt Murray, and that was it. Um, I was actually shocked that there was even any question after Game 2 yeah, about Rene, uh, both Joe and I. This guy's the one of the faces of the franchise. He's the longest-tenured predator. He's their all-time leader in wins. They were going back home to a building where he had gone 7-1 and one in the playoffs. He's now 9-1. and one. They're not going to go to a, you know, a guy that hasn't played 30 games in the NHL. So, you know, unless Rene had given up like eight goals in each of the first two games. Right. And again, you know, he did give up a couple of ones that he would want back. But in both games, in one and two, 
there was a Penguin goal that went off a Nashville player as well. So those weren't really his fault necessarily. But um, I would have been shocked if, if Rene did not start. And, you know, with Murray, it's interesting in, in talking to some of the Penguin guys, the broadcasters yesterday at practice, you know, they, they were talking about Sullivan and they said he's made a lot of roster moves amongst uh, the skaters, the forwards and even defensemen since he took over last year, sometimes for a spark. But he, they said you never really see it with the goalie. Um, he hasn't really done it with the goaltenders. And Fleury started these playoffs due to the Murray injury, and he was great. And Murray's been in there ever since. So probably not too much of a surprise either that he's sticking with Matt Murray. Plus, he had him in the minor leagues last year um, at the beginning of the 2015-16 season in Wilkes-Barre. So he's a big Matt Murray proponent, obviously, and he'll be in there tonight for Game 5. You know, 24 goals scored in this series, nine of them by rookies. That's the most ever in the history of the Stanley Cup final in the 90 years that the NHL has possessed the Cup, Kenny. And you've called a lot of these finals. You've been around a long time. It's, we've seen it all year, the reliance of rookies, giving them time on the power play, giving them a chance to get major minutes. Is that a relatively new phenomenon? Is the future of the league where you rely so much on the rookies, or is this just a series where the rookies are just too good to ignore? Well, you look back to the regular season, and two of the top five or six goal scorers in the league were rookies, right? Austin Matthews and, and Leno up in Winnipeg. Um, uh, not Leno, I'm thinking of Billy Leno. Leno, yeah. Billy Leno's name's been out there because uh, he has the rookie record for points in the playoffs, which Gensel could break. But uh, Austin Matthews and, and Patrick Laine, of course. Um, and in this series, you mentioned the nine goals. It's a record. Um, you know, we had Gensel throughout the playoffs. He didn't score a goal against Ottawa, but he had nine in the first two rounds, and now he has four in this series. And then one of the remarkable stories on the Nashville side, all the contributions from up and down the lineup, you know, guys that are not exactly household names outside Nashville, and some of them even in Nashville. And when they lost game four to the Ducks, and Joe and I worked that game with Brian Boucher, and after the game, it's announced, or the next morning, that Ryan Johansson underwent emergency surgery and Mike Fisher's out after he got kneed in the head. You couldn't find more than one or two people that expected Nashville to win uh, the series, let alone the next game. And they wound up winning games five and six. And game five out in Anaheim, that was when they they inserted Freddie Gaudreau into the lineup. And he's a guy, I have to be honest, I didn't know anything about him. Had seen his name. That's about it. Um, right. He played nine regular season games with the Predators, no points. And he comes in in that fifth game against Anaheim and up against Ryan Kessler and Ryan Getzlaff and Antoine Vermette, you know, the top three centermen for the Ducks. He wins 10 out of 14 faceoffs in that game and played well. And then in the Stanley Cup final, he has three goals. It's incredible. He scored the game winner in the last two. You talk about the rookies, it's the first time ever. Genzel is two game winners in this series. Goudreau is two game winners. It's the first time ever in the Stanley Cup final that rookies have scored four game winning goals. Not even in succession, just four in the entire series. That's never happened before. No, it's incredible. And Kenny, you, you're someone that calls all sports, so you can relate to this better than anybody else. What P.K. Subban brings to the table, you know, is trash talk. You know, we've seen this before. Guys get under other players' skin, whether it's Esatikin and Claude Lemieux. We saw it with Sean Avery for years with the Rangers. But to have a star player play with that kind of passion, play with that kind of uh, vim and vigor, you don't really see it in hockey too much. Hockey's a lot like baseball, right, Kenny, where that kind of behavior is frowned down upon. He brings kind of an NBA-NFL mentality to the NHL, and it's interesting to see how different people react to it. How do you feel 
about what PK brings to the sport? You know, personally, Don, I feel he's great for the game because he backs it up on the ice with his play. And when you see what he does off the ice, um, it kind of helps form your opinion of, of him as a person. And the $10, $10 million donation to Montreal Children's Hospital, you know, it's just incredible. You, you, have you heard of any other athletes making no. a $10 million donation to anything? And, and he has said that if he wins the Stanley Cup, either this year or in the future, he's bringing it right back. Can you imagine the reaction if P.K. Subban returns to Montreal with the Stanley Cup this summer? <laughs> it, it would just be insane. But in watching Nashville, and it's – it's it's crazy. I've now worked 16 of their playoff games between TV and radio this year. It's probably more Nashville games than I've seen in the last 10 years combined in person. Um, just watching those top four defensemen, whether it's Roman Yossi, who I think might be one of the most underrated players in the league, even though he's been an all-star um, outside Nashville, you know, folks don't necessarily have him high on their radar. Ryan Ellis, who had a tremendous uh, playoff to this point, especially over the first two rounds, some of the numbers he put up. Matias Ekholm and Subban, they play about 45 to 50 minutes a game, those four. Right. And in talking to Peter Laviolette you know, throughout these playoffs, he's just as impressed with their defense, and even with Subban in particular, as the offense. You know, We all know what these guys have done offensively. Uh, they're the third team in history in the NHL to have four defensemen in double figures and points in the playoffs. It had only happened twice before uh, with the Kings and the Oilers. But defensively, and they have the puck so much, too, Nashville. They've outshot Pittsburgh in every game. So one of the things you can look at in this series is the puck possession time. But they've played great defensively. If you look at the numbers, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane in the first round, um, Vladimir Tarasenko in the second round, and then Getzlaff and Kessler in the third round, and now Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel. Right. How low their offensive production has been. All of the superstars... They shut out the Blackhawks in the first two games, and it wasn't all Rene. It was the defenseman as well. Tarasenko was held in check. Getzlaff and Kessler, neither guy scored a goal in the entire series in six games against Nashville. And now in this series, over four games, Malkin has two, Crosby has one, Kessel hasn't scored. No, it's incredible what they've been able to do, and that's why it may look like it's a Cinderella story based on the fact that they were literally ranked 16th going into the playoffs. But when you see the kind of numbers that they put up in these playoffs, you know just how good they are getting hot at the right time. We're talking to Kenny Albert of the call for Westwood once tonight on the radio side uh, for Game 5 between the Predators and the Penguins. The best of seven series tied at two games apiece. What's interesting about the Malkin-Crosby situation, I think, Kenny, is that they do turn down shots. They seem to be their elite players that sometimes wait for that perfect moment. And I'm wondering, could the philosophy possibly change? Because, as you mentioned, both have scored in this series. Both have had moments in this series, but you wonder does Sullivan want to see maybe the shots at Rene maybe improve a little bit, or maybe just the frequency of the shots maybe need to be up a little bit more for the rest of the series? Well, I think it did change a little bit in Game 4. Uh, maybe not enough for the Penguins, but a lot was made about the fact that neither player, Malkin or Crosby, had a shot on goal in Game 3. And Mike Sullivan even said that morning, you know, we're going to look, those guys have to shoot more. And Laviolette expected more shots from them in game four. And when you look at the numbers, um, games one through three, those three players, Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel, um, 13 shots on goal, 27 attempts combined over the first three games. And then in game four, they had eight and 20. So uh, the numbers were a lot higher in game four. Uh, than they were over the first three. Kessel, I thought, had some really good chances on the power play. Yeah. Just missed a couple of times. 
he uh, definitely looked to shoot more. Uh, but the power play, I think that's going to be a key for the Penguins. They're over the last 15. And here's a little hidden stat in this series, Donnie. The Predators have as many shots on goal shorthanded as the Penguins do on the power play. Wow. Nashville has seven shots on goal while down a man, and Pittsburgh only has seven shots while they've been on the power play. Yeah. And even though, Kenny, you can stone Pittsburgh on the power play, it's still not a great idea to keep them uh, with the man advantage for that long because it screws up what you want to do. Because then there's then there's players that don't get a chance to play. I mean, you give seven power plays to Pittsburgh, even if they go 0 for 7, that's 14 minutes in which some key guys don't get any minutes. And some guys that kill penalties have to be on the ice for a long time. So even though Pittsburgh maybe hasn't scored, it could still compromise the rest of the game if you continue to keep uh, committing penalties. Right, and they did have seven in game two. Since then, they've only had three in each of the last two games, so they have right. kept it down a little bit. Uh, but when you look at the overall power play time, it's seven minutes more for Pittsburgh in the series than Nashville, so you're right. It does keep certain players off the ice. All right. What uh, Stanley Cup final number is this for you? Uh, this is five overall. Um, all on radio, uh, 94-95 for NHL radio. Rangers, Canucks, and Devils, uh, Red Wings in 95. And then it was uh, it was 19 years before the next one when the Rangers made it out to the final against L.A. And um, you actually worked the first game on radio because I was called over to the TV side for game one in L.A. Right. And then um, Westwood One brought back the radio uh, call for the final last year. So 94-95, 2014 for the Rangers, and then uh, 2016 and this year for Westwood One. All right. Well, it's tremendous the work that you do for baseball, for football, for basketball, for hockey, for the Olympics. I mean, it's I don't know if you ever get a chance to kind of just sit back and look at the work that you've done. But believe me, as a guy, as an admirer of yours, I'm just really floored and impressed with the work you do, Kenny. You're one of the best. Well, Donnie, I appreciate it and uh, love spending time with you during the season. Unfortunately, we're not on the road a lot together because when I'm not there, that's usually when you're there. Although we do overlap sometimes, but uh it's so much fun. There's nothing I'd rather be doing. Um, even though there's a lot of work and travel that goes into it, it it's 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 so much fun uh, just to be around the games and the teams. And uh, it certainly beats you know a lot of other things we could be doing. So um, <laughs> true. you know, always enjoy being around you and Michael and the gang. And uh, um, look forward to uh, getting things started with the Rangers in September. And hopefully, we have a great final two or three games of the Stanley Cup final. Well, it should be a lot of fun. We've got the expansion draft. We've got the draft coming up. So there's a lot that's coming up during the offseason free agency. I'm sure the Rangers will be, uh, if not active, at least part of the conversation. So I know you'll be all over that. Enjoy your summer, Kenny. But more importantly, enjoy the game tonight and the rest of the series. And tell everybody I said hello and uh, looking forward to talking to you down the road, man. Thanks, Donnie. We'll do, and I'll see you over the summer. You got it. That's the great Kenny Albert voice of the Rangers. Fills it on Knicks. Does football for Fox. He does baseball for Fox. He's done Olympics for NBC. He's one of the best, and he'll have the call on Westwood One tonight. So if you can't get to the television, check out the radio. Check your local listings. He'll have the call with the Joe Micheletti on the color. Uh, Steve Goldstein doing the uh, pre-post and intermissions, and Ray Ferraro is at ice level. It's always good uh, to, to hear them uh, call the game, and Kenny certainly is one of the best. Let's hear from you. At Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct as we get ready for this game number five tonight. The Hockey 411 says, look for the future and next year. Is this Nashville's team a one-hit wonder? Interesting. I, I took a look at their, their free agent situations. They've got a couple of restricted free agents, so obviously there's a lot of opportunity to hold on to them. The only significant restricted free agent they have is 
uh, Fisher. So that's one guy they could potentially lose. But they've got Rene under contract. They've got Forsberg under contract for a while now, P.K. Subban. Uh, they've got a couple of, as I said, restricted free agents, including Ryan Johansson. But there's a chance that maybe they could be even better in the regular season. You take a look at their division. Uh, Chicago might be slipping just a little bit. Certainly had a great close to the season, great regular season finale. But going out in four straight in the first round makes you think that Joel Quinville and the powers that be in Chicago might have to start thinking about making some changes. Uh, St. Louis with the coaching change. They may be a team they were a bit of a surprise even making the playoffs. Uh, but you got to figure that Nashville is going to be right in the mix to possibly win that division next year and be a major force. So how far they go once they get into the playoffs, we'll have to wait and see. But I don't think they're going to be a 16 seed going into the playoffs next year. I think this is going to be a team that's going to be better in the regular season, and we'll see from there. It's not an exceptionally old team. Uh, Peter Laviolette's a really good coach. Sometimes he does wear on players. That's why he spent a brief time with the Islanders and even having success in uh, Carolina and Philadelphia. He still ended up leaving, so I don't know what his shelf life will be in Nashville, but I still would think that even if they lose this series, he'll still be the head coach for uh, the foreseeable future. So I do think that Nashville is not a one-hit wonder, not guaranteeing that they're going to go back to the final, but I don't think this is going to be an Edmonton situation where they go seven games with Carolina in 2006 and don't go back uh, into the playoffs until this year. Uh, I don't think they're going to be like a New Jersey Devil team that lost in the Stanley Cup final in 2012 and then five straight years of missing the playoffs. I think they're still going to be a very, very good team. But you start looking at the future, certainly Edmonton in the Western Conference, Toronto in the Eastern Conference are going to be teams that are going to have very, very bright futures. Uh, Rusty Franklin gets on me a little bit. He says, Don, you've been calling Roman Yossi Yoshi for weeks. It's pronounced Yossi. Come on. He's an elite player in the league. Well, I know who he is, and I've called his games, and I've called his games when he was with Team Europe in the World Cup of Hockey, but sometimes when you're talking uh, the way that I do, rushed, it might come across as Yoshi, and I do not, uh, I apologize for that. It is Yoshi. I do know that, I do know that uh, but sometimes I um, misspeak. So, Rusty, thank you for straightening me out. Uh, Ron uh, Pizza says, with the... Flames and the Islanders having arena trouble. Do you think either will actually leave and go elsewhere? Well, let's address the Calgary situation. I was going to bring this up, and I'm glad that Ron did on Twitter. Um, Certainly Brian Burke over at Calgary uh, runs that franchise now, part of the brain trust there in Calgary, uh, was talking to some fans, and it came up about wanting a new arena And he, according to the organization, kind of spoke out of school when he said, hey, if the city of Calgary is not going to give us an arena, we'll just go to Quebec City. They've got an arena ready for us. Now, I don't know if this is just an idle threat. I don't know if this is legitimately a strategy that Calgary has to use this as leverage to get a new building. I think it would be an absolute shame if the Flames left Calgary. As much as I want to see a franchise in Quebec City, I think it would be awful it came at the expense of the fans of Calgary who have been committed to that team since 1980. Uh, The rivalry is right about to pop again between the Flames and the Oilers, and I'd hate to see Calgary lose a team. But having called games and have gone to Calgary last few years, they need a new building. And certainly it hurts when they got a brand-new building in Edmonton, same province, and it certainly hurts Calgary. They don't have one. They desperately need one, even though that building was 
built not that long ago, actually for the Olympics back in 1980. It's like a lot of other buildings that were uh, erected uh, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, the infrastructure is just not what it, what it needs to be. Uh, they need more luxury boxes. They need more of the conveniences you see in some of the other arenas. They need one, and the fans want one. But you can understand the community not wanting to have to uh, give charity to billionaires to have uh, the Flames and the city of Calgary build it for them. So we'll see if they succumb to this threat. We'll see if this is actually a threat that they can move to Quebec City. Um, this all so now the rumors that um, we're seeing um, people get involved in Key Arena in Seattle to get that ready for hockey, and there's a lot of speculation that the next expansion team is going to be a Western Conference team and that Seattle might be the team because they desperately want to get a team in the Pacific Northwest. So to join Las Vegas as the other team in the Western Conference to balance out the two conferences. So it looks like they're going to be expanding further. So there's not too many places to go for the Islanders and the Flames the Flames are throwing it out there. It may not hurt them as much because they're already a Canadian team to deal with those taxes. It might be an easier move for them than, say, the Islanders moving out of Brooklyn to Quebec City. Uh, I think Quebec City is going to get a team. It looks like it's going to be a team probably relocation. They're not going to get an expansion team. So I would think the Islanders, once they work out what's happening in Brooklyn, and if they can't get an arena in Queens, and with the Flames not being able to get Calgary to pay for their new arena, I would think that the Quebec City building is going to be used as leverage for both those cities. But I'm surprised Brian Burke went there, whether he did it intentionally, whether he just slipped, because no Brian a little bit. Sometimes he just get a little overly fired up. But uh, he also doesn't look like somebody that's going to speak out of school either. So I'm sure that's been talked about and rumbled about within the boardrooms of Calgary that that could be a destination for them or at least a threat to move. But remember this, because we saw this in in uh, Cleveland with Art Modell, is that if you threaten to move, then sometimes you've got to follow through with the threat. But what's ridiculous is Baltimore ended up getting a franchise, uh, or excuse me, Cleveland ended up getting a franchise back anyway. So you wonder, if you're just going to cave and get another team, why not just give the team that's already there the building that they need? So it's about who's going to blink first, but as long as Quebec City's got a brand-new building ready for hockey and a fan base that's salivating for it, uh, it's definitely going to be a destination for someone. Uh, Michael says, Murray too patient and has weak glove. Would Flurry be better against the Preds' aggressive game? Well, we already know that it's going to be Murray and not Flurry. Interesting, Murray was addressed about the glove hand and said he doesn't practice it as much as everything else that he practices. It's just one of those things. He doesn't feel it's something he needs to work on. Much like Pecorine's glove, I thought was very suspect in the first two games of the series. It seems like Murray's glove hands become a problem too. You know, we talk about glove hands around the league there's very few that can handle the puck and and have a, a quick love hand like some of the goaltenders in this league uh, but it sometimes can be a vulnerable position for a lot of different goaltenders and I find it interesting that what was the criticism of Rene in the first two games has now been the criticism of Murray in the last two but neither coach is willing uh, to make the significant change uh, Mayer says if the NHL playoffs keeps being so much better than the NBA playoffs, do you think hockey has a chance to catch up to the NBA? Catch up, but not surpass, maybe not even get into the vicinity. I mean, we're getting really uh, impressed uh, numbers from the National Hockey League. Over 5.7 million fans watched Game 4. I would suspect that uh, that Game 5 tonight might see as many as 6 million, but still that's that's not anywhere close that the 12, 13, 14 million of the NBA usually gets, but the gap certainly is closing, and certainly 
certainly this is a great opportunity for the Stanley Cup to maybe go the distance, give us some more thrilling games, and they might have the the, the whole uh, sports landscape to themselves after Friday because if Cleveland loses Friday, uh, the Golden State Warriors would be the champions, and Game 6 in Nashville is set for Sunday, and then the possible Game 7 is Wednesday. So the National Hockey League can actually get two Stanley Cup games all to themselves to really kind of showcase what they have and maybe the borderline fan that would actually be more interested in the NBA converts to the NHL. So to answer your question, Mayor, I don't think they uh, catch up or surpass, but I do think they have a chance here to close the gap. If you listen to the Game Misconduct podcast and looking at the numbers, uh, I really I was blown away by the number of um, downloads we had in the month of May. Uh, tens of thousands of fans have been listening to the podcast, and I really appreciate that, but mostly it just goes to show how many people are hungry for hockey information and just want to talk some hockey. That's why we open it up to Twitter and try to get you involved interactively. But we know how passionate you are about the sport, but unfortunately there's a lot of other people out there that aren't. But all you have to do is expose them to the sport. And it seems whenever I meet somebody, and I got a lot of callers on my show here on ESPN New York 98.7 FM that tell me they never listened to hockey, they never watched hockey, but they heard how passionately I spoke about it, so they wanted to get into it and have fallen in love with the sport. So it's all just about exposure. And there's just so much out there. There's so much competition. Even a night like tonight where the hockey looks like it has the landscape to themselves, you know, New York is still going to have Yankees, Red Sox. You're still going to have other baseball games that are going to be played. They're going to grab people's attention. You always understand that. But if you give it a second, you give it a look, you can fall in love with the sport the way I did back in the day, the way you did back in the day. So it's moments like this where you clearly have a better product than the other sport does. You clearly have a more competitive final than the other sport does. And maybe this can win a few fans over and let it grow. And Nashville certainly 20 years ago probably wouldn't be able to tell you what color a puck was. And now 50,000 people are out there excited uh, to try to just be close to the building when a Stanley Cup playoff is being played rather than being able to get into the building. And, of course, the building's been full and people are excited, and uh, I think that makes hockey that much better to follow and that much more to get into. But it's got to continue to grow. It's got to continue to be competitive. I don't think one isolated series being better than the NBA could be enough, but maybe it can close the gap just a little bit. Well, obviously, we'll be back tomorrow because we got to recap Game 5 and we got to preview Game 6. We do know there's going to be a Game 6 in Nashville. The question is, who's up in the series? Somebody's going to be up 3-2. The Cup's going to be in the building in Nashville on Sunday, but who's going to get it? And who's got a chance to be up three games to two will be determined tonight. So back again tomorrow. We'll go uh, a little bit more information on this Calgary situation. A lot of other topics of discussion can be up there for you as well. You can start the conversation at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. Uh, do that. Follow us on the ESPN app. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts and just looking at the numbers, they've been spectacular and I really do appreciate it. Uh, this has been a labor of love for me and the fact that people have paid attention to it's awesome. So, Rusty, I'll work on my pronunciations. You out there, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. It was fun today. Thanks to Kenny Albert. Back again tomorrow. This was the Thursday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.